Lord, we say your name, Jesus the Christ, Lord of all. What a beautiful, powerful, saving name of Christ. Father, I pray for our lives, our hearts in this place today that we own that. That we own, Father, the price that you've paid in sending your son Jesus, the blood that was shed, the broken body for the remission of our sin, Father, that we could be saved, that we could be forgiven. For all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we come here today, God, either to receive that truth or to stand in that truth. And so, Lord, I pray for every heart in this place as we send these songs. And thank you for the power of worship. Thank you for the power of being able, Father, (laughs) to get out of ourselves and to see you. To get out of the way and just experience your goodness, God, and your spirit. Father, thank you for that. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our leaders all throughout this church that help it to be what it is. We're not a perfect church, but God, that is, <laughs> that is what you do. You take imperfect people and you make something great. So Lord, I pray today. I pray for those that are seeking. I pray for those that are hurting today. Thank you for answered prayer this week. Father, uh, as Josh is recovering from surgery, our worship leader, God, thank you that everything went very well and he's just getting better each day and be back with us very soon. For Rick Frank, Father, and, and just the news there and praying that it all continues to go well there with his heart. Thank you for protecting him. Father, for other answered prayer, I know there's been more all over our church. We ask you and thank you today for being the great God that you are. I know there are those in here that don't have such good news maybe or have experienced something tougher. And we have to come back that God, you are still a God that sits at the right, Jesus, you still sit at the right hand of God, the Father interceding on our behalf. No matter what we face, no matter what we go through, you don't forsake us or leave us. And you're, and you're giving us strength each and every day to face whatever it is we face. And for those in this room today, or listening um, out there on the internet, whatever, Father, that you touch them right now, wherever they're at, whatever they're going through. And Father, you answer our prayers because you love us. And you've called us to love you. Father, I pray today that we get an urgency about that. That God, we get an urgency that it takes love and unity to be something powerful in your name. So help us see that today about ourselves and about us as a church and about us impacting the kingdom. We love you. We give you all the glory. May we lean in and your words speak right to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning to you. It's so good to be with you guys today and uh, Man, it is hard to believe that it is February 12th, and it is almost Valentine's Day. Men, here's your warning. You got two days. I know what some of you are just saying right now. Oh, that's plenty of time. I don't know about you, but man, 
kind of changing gears here. Social media has changed the way we've lived, hasn't it? I remember when I came here five years ago, actually, this month. Isn't that crazy? Hard to believe, right? Five years. And anyway, when I came five years ago, I was not real into the whole social media thing. Um, Obviously, I busy, got a lot on the plate. I always felt like social media took time. It takes energy. It takes effort. It takes some thinking. And I remember like, man, I don't have time for this. But when you begin to see how social media changes the way that we communicate, you cannot ignore it because it, it, it is a big, important, viable way that we communicate. And then because of that, I've come to understand the importance of it. One aspect of that is, you know, for a pastor house, we're going to know what's happening in the church. That was a joke. But we do. We, we communicate a lot these days, you know, that way. A lot of people communicate that way. And it's easy to communicate what we do in seconds because we can let hundreds to thousands of people know what we're thinking fast. And even if we don't have something profound to say, we can let the world know what we had for dinner. (laughs) Take a picture, right? But it's one of the perks, if you will, of living in the century that we live in. Now here's the thing. It wasn't like that years ago. It wasn't like that ancient days, especially in the first century when the New Testament was written. The purpose, obviously, for social media and any letter that we might write is for communication. But then when that century was happening and letters were written of the Bible, the process of communication was different. It was much different. The simple act of sending a letter was very complicated because there was no postal service. There was no putting an envelope, put a stamp on it, it gets to where it's supposed to go. If you wanted to send a letter from one place to another, you had to know someone that was traveling to that place. Go talk to them to take that letter for you and get them to take that letter to the person that you needed to get it to and hope that they would follow through. And so because of that, when you look years ago, letters tended to be long, much longer than the typical tweet. If we were going to go to that much trouble back then to get a letter delivered, if you will, you took some time in writing it, and your letter would likely be the equivalent of several pages. My son is writing a two-page, a little over two-page paper right now, and it's killing him. I don't have this much to write. When you look in the New Testament, the letters Paul wrote to the church in Rome, the church in Corinth, they were long. Very long. Other New Testament letters, though not as long, they were quite detailed, covered many topics in each one. Because sending a letter was complicated, when someone went to the trouble to write a letter, it was important Indeed, especially if they wrote one that was very short. You knew it wasn't just what someone had for dinner. Hashtag delicious. 
A one-page letter would be urgent. That's why it's interesting that in the New Testament, there are four such letters consisting of just a few paragraphs that last less than a page. Two of these letters written by John, one of them written by Paul, one written by Jude. And each of these address what we would call urgent topics, things that we need to deal with now, things that need to be resolved quickly, things that cannot wait. They are urgent matters. And so today we're beginning this new series called Urgent because we are going to look at such of these four letters because in each of them there's something we must deal with that is urgent, that must be dealt with today. Four qualities that every believer needs to develop. Every church needs to make sure that they're doing. And we need to do them ASAP as soon as possible, like yesterday. Urgent stuff. And so we're going to look at 2 John today. It was written by John the Apostle, the same one who wrote the Gospel of John. And it was written to, as we're going to see here as we read it, the chosen lady and to her children. Now, when we read that, there are many scholars that believe that it's referring to the church and its members. There are a few that say, no, it was literally that, a woman and her children that were believers But either way, when you look at the context of the whole passage, I think it definitely speaks to us. It speaks to us as the church, as its members. And so here's this open letter written to a group of churches or a body of believers. And so when we read it, we can read it as if John is writing to us today. So let's look at it together. The book of 2 John, they're the very back of your Bible. Short letter. We're going to read it from beginning to end. If you have your Bibles, turn with me. If not, it'll be on the screen. And uh, we also use the Bible app um, on your mobile devices where you can find the notes for today and the scripture there as well. So the elder, it's John talking about himself, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, Because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his commands is that you walk in love. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. 
Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister who is chosen by God send their greetings. So what's the urgent message here of 2 John? Which quality is he talking about here that cannot wait? And it's one that I believe that we take very for granted. It's one that I believe that we roll past it, not only this time of year, but every time we hear it. And it's true love. Love. I want to show you some things this morning, some that are very obvious, some that I think need to be reminded of, but some that I hope will challenge you today. The first thing I want us to see is that if we are disciples of Christ, if we are followers of Christ, love is fundamental to a disciple of Christ. Love is fundamental at our core. It should be seen from our lives. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you work. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what position you have in the church. I don't care Fill in the blank. Love should be fundamental to who you are as a disciple of Christ. Look at verse 9. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. You see, our lives are an absolute walking example of whether we have the Father and the Son or not. And what is confusing this world is that we say we have the Father and the Son, but we're not loving people like we do. And worse yet is we're not loving each other. We sometimes try to make it about other things. And when we do, I want you to see something that's important in this verse. It says, we run ahead. You catch that? We run ahead. We abandon the fundamental doctrine of love and we don't continue in the teaching of Christ. And that's the problem for many of us. We're so busy in our lives. We're so we got our plates so full, we're so focused on so many things that we run ahead and we don't love. Love is the fundamental belief of the Christian faith. And Jesus himself made this clear numerous times in Scripture. But one particular time when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Jesus answered with a quote from the book of Deuteronomy. He said what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Matthew 22. And then he goes on, Jesus went on, he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22, verse 39. And then he sums it all up, he said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments in verse 40 of the same chapter. In other words, he was saying in summary, if you will, of the Christian life, it's love God, really love others, and even love yourself in a healthy way. My hope and prayer is that as we encounter folks, as we encounter each other, 
And especially as we encounter folks outside our church walls, that no matter their story, no matter their baggage, no matter what we even might think of them, that we would be known as someone who loved. Because what was one of the most powerful things that Jesus said? John 13, 35. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Wow. We have to be very careful in any church, but especially our church, because it's our church. It's God's church, but it's our church together. And we have to be very careful. As much as we want to take our larger church and we grow smaller, we must do that. We must have things like life groups and studies and things that we can grow, not only spiritually, but grow together. But we must be very careful then on our growing smaller, that we don't exclude ourselves from the rest of the church or think that our group is any better than any else's. And with even in those small groups, we have to make sure that because we have this affluency or we live there or we do that or whatever, that we don't ever exclude our own family within our own groups and within our own church. I know that's so easy for me to stand here and say. But isn't that what we're supposed to be about? It breaks my heart when I hear people say, I'm not going to life group because people don't care about me there. But it happens. That tells me something's not right. We have to address that. I understand that we are, we are all closer to different people. You always will be in a church. But how about let's put some effort in the people we don't know versus let's put it, putting all of our effort in the people we already know. That's my hope and prayer, that people will know that we are Jesus' disciples because we love one another. I love the fact that if you have been toying with any equation of spirituality that doesn't begin and end with love, you've missed the mark because Christianity is first and last about love. I love, look at verse 5. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, and I ask that we love one another. Why did John write this? Because he knew exactly what they were struggling with, and what we would be struggling with today. But we can change that. By the power of Christ, we can do this better. May love be fundamental, supreme. It literally is the gospel in a word. That's the first thing we see. What else do we see here? Love and obedience go hand in hand. Love and obedience go hand in hand. Look at verse 6. And this is love. I think that's powerful, right? John says, hey, if you, if, if you don't get anything else, 
Listen to this. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. And as you have heard from the beginning, his commands is that you walk in love. Now let's be honest, obedience is a heavy word, right? It's not a sexy word. You hear me say all the time. It's not. It's not. It's a heavy word. And for many, it can be intimidating. Because why? We associate it with certain behaviors. What do you mean? We associate obedience with what? The things we aren't supposed to do. And so when we talk about this whole walking in obedience, it's often interpreted as doing this and not doing that. Make sure you do this and don't do that. And yeah, that's part of it, but it's only a small part of it because it's much bigger than that. What do you mean, Russ? Obedience is not just walking a straight line. More importantly, John reminds us here, he says, obedience is how you what? You treat other people. His command is that you walk in love. And i got to be honest, and I failed at this too, but many Christians get this wrong. We get this wrong. We think because, hey, man, I've accepted Christ. I have, I have prayed the prayer. I have checked the box. I am a part of a church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Got it. Yet people don't see love from your life. Let me take it a step further. We think that holiness and obedience is all about doing the do's and not doing the don'ts. We get obsessed with grading ourselves. Right? We kind of been programmed that way in the church, actually. We get programmed with, with grading ourselves and how we're doing, and it becomes all about me and how I'm doing. And, the, you know, and as we look at that, am I making the passing grade? How is that? And the rest, and here's the problem, the rest of the world gets put on the back burner while I'm checking my boxes. Because what really matters more than anything else is that I feel good about me and my goodness. Real obedience is much deeper than that. It's deeper than the do's and the don'ts. It's, the, it's getting in, if you will, to the selfless love of others. Can I just challenge you this morning? If you're walking that thin line that you call holiness and you're doing it with an attitude of condescension towards other people, you're not walking in love. And therefore, you're not walking in obedience, and therefore, you're really not living holy. Love and obedience go hand in hand. It's not an either or, it's a both and. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Years ago, there was a prestigious church that... Some of you have probably seen on TV. It still is on TV. But at this time, they had not started on TV yet. 
And they were getting ready to call a new assistant pastor of all things. In this church, as they got ready to call this assistant pastor, there was a lot of disagreement in the church about whether they should call this guy. There was a nice faction, if you will, in the church that was like, no way, Jose. But the church went ahead because they felt like this is who God had led them to, through the search process, everything that was involved. They knew there had been already some disagreements over who it should be and those kind of things, and there were some pretty skin-flying kind of meetings that happened before this moment. But this man was chosen, he was appointed, and this was the morning of his induction service. So he had been voted in, and they were having the induction service, and of all days, this was their first time on television to air. Now here was the crazy thing. There was great excitement going on in the church. This had never happened before as far as being on TV. Obviously, having an induction for an assistant pastor to be, you know, set aside and, and, and really prayed for and coming into this role, etc. And so as the service went on, you had, at that time, it was hymns. And, and here the new pastor-elect stands to his feet. And sitting out in the congregation was one of his opponents, if you will, that couldn't take it anymore. And so as the pastor stands up at the podium to share some from his heart, this guy comes running right up the platform on live TV, punches him right in the face. And the pastor goes down And here you had all of these hundreds, thousands of people watching this on air live. I think that's why they put the six-second buffer in live TV, you know, where you can, <laughs> right? Now, here's the question. What do you think that communicated to people outside the church? What do you think that communicated to the Lord's words, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another? To finish the story, it was how that young pastor handled that punch in the face that made all the difference in the world. It's how that young man's attitude as a young assistant pastor handled this older man coming up and punching him in the face. That young pastor's name was Charles Stanley. Many people don't know that story that happened before he took the pastorate at his church, who is now one of the greatest Bible teachers of all time. And his attitude changed the direction and mission and vision of that church from forever. Can I give you the test? We like test, right? Here's the test whether or not we love one another. On what level do you see other people? How do you really see other people? You see, because what John is saying is that the Christian love is where God, listen to this, you can't miss this. It, the Christian love is where God's truth regulates our attitude, and that attitude regulated by God's truth determines our actions. 
In other words, John is saying that when we manifest our own natural emotions, it grieves the Lord. But when we manifest the love of God in obedience to Christ's commandment, it brings joy to the heart of God. That's what God is wanting to do in you. That's what God is wanting to do in this church. That's what God is wanting to do in every life group, every ministry that we have. Is that right there? Is that the manifest, that the manifest of the love of God happens in our obedience to Christ's commandments so it brings joy to the heart of God? Are you doing that? Because love and obedience go hand in hand. Sometimes I think we can get so, man, I'm rocking. I am getting these things done as a Christian. And we're passing by the people that need our love every day. Some outside the walls. Some right inside here. That leads me to thirdly this. That's why he calls us to love up close, not at a distance. Love up close, not at a distance. Look at verse 12. There's so much in this passage, but obviously I only have so long. He says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. He said, instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. He says, obviously different things here. John's talking about personally wanting to see them face to face. Not just pass the letter on and, and hope for good. He, he, he looks for that joy to be complete. But he's also emphasizing the very personal nature of the Christian life. He's saying, hey, it's, it's so much more than pen and ink. It's so much more than, hey, this is the little steps I take. This is what I do. It's much better face to face. What am I getting at? Just lean in with me. I'm almost done. The road to discipleship is not traveled. Listen to me. Let's get this today. <laughs> The road to discipleship is not traveled by great sermons, great Bible studies, or even great ministries. Of course, you are going to have those. You need to study. You need to be involved in becoming a disciple. We should listen to sermons as much as we can. We should read as many books as we can. We should grow where we can. But the most powerful moments in the Christian life happen face to face. And I know you introverts right now are like, is it time to leave yet? We're not talking about necessarily uncomfortable face-to-faceness, okay? I'm talking about just that we see God's power lived out through interactions with other people. I have seen some of the greatest studies on paper fall flat in a room because the hearts were not right. I've seen some of the most incredible worship experiences in solitude, but the greatest worship experiences for me is when I'm gathered with more than one or two people. Some of the most significant learning experiences have happened not in studying, but in the presence of others I've studied with. Some of the most moving moments have been when truly people take off their masks and truly experience the power of community. Truly experience what it is to love somebody, even in the differences that you have. 
John was saying, hey, he wants to do more than just send words on a page. He said, I want to see you face to face so that the joy might be complete. Our joy might be complete. And yes, today, thanks to our technology, we can communicate with people around the world instantly without cost. And it's almost like being there. But it's not. Why? Because technology will never take the place of being with someone face to face. It won't. We were made for community. We were made as the church to see God working through the lives of each other. We were made for personal contact. I love this. Derek Jackman says this. When the love of God is not a present reality to us, we need to take that medicine until our spiritual appetite begins to pick up and we begin to respond in awe to God's overwhelming grace. Just pause there a second. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, let's, let's not worry about all of our preferences and things so much. Let's not worry about what we think is absolutely what, you know, that's going to fix it or that's going to whatever. He's saying, Maybe we need to just stop and respond to the awe of God's grace. We need to, and he goes on, he says, we need to take some of our New Testament's great affirmations of the unfailing love, limitless grace, and keeping power of God and read ourselves into them personally by name. Wow. Why? Because that changes our perspective, right? Right? It changes how we think. It changes how we respond to God. And so this is what he's talking about. He's talking about truly living God's word out in our lives and letting it saturating our lives. Can I just bring that home for you? You know what our problem is? We're not taking the medicine. We're not taking the medicine. We don't take it. We don't take time because we're so busy. We don't take time. And you know what happens when we don't take time? We get sick. And when we get sick, we lose touch with the love of God. And when we lose touch with the love of God, we lose touch with love towards each other. And then we begin to get to a place where we don't walk properly anymore or we don't even care. God isn't looking for a bunch of individuals who will love him and serve him merely as individuals. He wants individuals to love and serve him by loving one another and serving one another because that's what the church is about. That's the power of the church. In all of our ugliness and all of our age differences, that's the power of the church. Why? Because love is the be-all, end-all of the Christian life. It's our most fundamental belief, and it's our highest command. And as John said in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, he said, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because why? God is love. I just want that to ring with you today. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's why John's letter is so urgent. There's one more thing I have to address because we can't forget this part of it. There's a part of this letter that's urgent from John because he's dealing with the fact that we need to know what we believe about Jesus Christ. 
you got to understand here, and you look in the first century, or think about what's happening in the first century, there were many who tried to, t- to make Christianity about many things. You had a few different groups, but a couple of them. You had, you had the Judaizers trying to make Christianity about circumcision and following all the Jewish laws. You had the Gnostics who believed that Jesus couldn't be both God and man. In other words, that, that Jesus was actually a spirit who only seemed to be human. And these groups were deceiving people from the teachings and the way to follow Christ. Look just very quickly with me at verse 7 and 8. I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Jump down to verse 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. John's saying in effect that, hey, the church, as he's writing, don't let these people hijack the faith. Don't let these things... Change the way the church is to be. Don't listen to them. Don't give them a platform. They're not teaching the truth about Jesus. They've abandoned the gospel message. I don't have time to get into all of that, but we are seeing those platforms raised all over the world today. You don't have, go turn on the news this afternoon, you'll see one. We have to reach the world for Christ. But we must not let the platforms that exist in the world that do not honor what is obedient and loving and of God kill the church. It is urgent that we love one another and the foundation of our love is the gospel of Jesus Christ. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel in a word, love. There are people who will try to make it about politics or prosperity or try the culture wars or distort the message of Jesus to suit their own agenda and justify hate and intolerance. And we have to distance ourselves from that. Let us instead proclaim the original biblical gospel message that Jesus Christ came into the world to save us from our sins and to give us new life in him. And there are some of you today, you are dead in your sins, and he wants to give you life. A life of love, a life of obedience. He wants to save you. He wants to change your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of love. His message of love and new life is for you and it's for us to also share with a world that desperately needs him. Let's bow our heads together. Father God, we come to you today. We come to you today because we need you. We need your help. We need to love. We need to love and obey inside these walls like never before, and especially outside these walls as well. The name of Christ, the power of who you are, Lord Jesus, you are a living God. 
that touches the deepest parts, the most hidden parts of our soul and bring light out of it. Lord, I'm praying, I'm praying for those in this place. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you want to know what it is to know Jesus. How do I do that? How do I give my life to Christ? I'll be down front. I would love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're here and God is speaking to you about kind of where you are on the love scale. Are you truly loving others? Is your heart hardened? Does your love for others and obedience go hand in hand? Are you loving from a distance? When God's called you to love up close. Maybe you're here and uh, you just want to come and pray at this altar. We'll have some prayer people that would love to pray with you down here if that's you. And here's what I want to challenge us all. This week, this month, that we truly share the love with someone who needs it, that we truly share the love to be looking around and aware of who around us, God, are you showing us that we need to extend love to? That can be a simple hug. That could be a simple checking on somebody. That could be doing something great for someone that needs it. That could be looking at your neighbor next door that needs help with this, and you need to do that. It might be somebody you work with. I'm going to challenge you some way this week. Share the love. Father, let us respond to you in this moment today and not miss this. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. You come. As the Lord leads, you respond.